Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Golden, and as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, man, it was great seeing you the other day. Yeah. That, was a, that, was, that was a great surprise. Uh, that was awesome. I was love. love See you and Jack. That that was a that was a great surprise. Great surprise. That kind of sort of made Jack's week, to tell you the truth. Good. Um, he's Love that he, kid. he is so over being just quarantine and everything, and it's tough. It's tough as a three year old. He just wants to go to the park. We drive by anything that has a slide, and he's like, "Look, it's open. It's open. It's not wrapped up." I'm like, "Dude, I'm sorry, man." <laughs> yeah, uh, Parker does the same thing. He still doesn't. He he still just doesn't get it yet. I'm like, he's like, "Can we go here?" Uh, no, no, we can't. But Friday, everybody can go, um, you know, everywhere if you guys would like. Um, friendly advice, if you don't have to, don't. Um, but if you need to go to work and all those things and you're impacted by this, go do that. But just be safe. Wash your hands. Uh, if you have a mask, wear it. If you can wear gloves, key to wearing gloves is to change them. Um, if you wear one pair of gloves all day, Really doesn't matter. You're actually not doing yourself any help, uh, so make sure you change them. I've seen that go around quite a bit, but um, just make sure you guys are taking care of yourself. I know Texas opens Friday. It's great news for a lot of people. Uh, don't go to the movies, okay? Don't 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 go to the gym. Just, just kind of keep it with what you're doing. Go to work and do those types of things. Any anything else you have on that, John? No, just be smart. I mean. I, I work in the healthcare industry, and I can tell if you're going to use um, what's called PPE, the uh, gloves and the mask and all that, please use them properly. Because if you don't use them properly, you just open yourself up to, to more chances of cross-contamination and more chances of getting not necessarily you, but somebody around you sick. So just be smart with it, but prayers to everybody. Uh, be smart. Um and hopefully, you know, some people can start getting back to work because I know, I know a lot of people need it. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right. So big week. What up, Storm? What up, Preston? Uh, big week. I like the little banner here. I feel like we're on ESPN. It's kind of cool. Um, so big week, lots of things going on. Bryant, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I messaged, so his agent called me last week, said, hey, draft week, things are kind of crazy. Uh, and then uh, he said, we're going to get it done. Shot him a text yesterday. No response. Uh, but in his last message, he told me persistence is key. So um, one of the things I'm very good at is being persistent. So don't worry. Um, that will happen. Uh, it's just blocking it down. Um, big week, draft week, uh, lots of lots of news. Um, this time, you know what the best part about all of this stuff that's happening Bill O'Brien isn't the cause for all the news. It's it's great. It's a totally <laughs> different reason why. I don't know the, the uh, Friday night where he blew up after the. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, I, that was so annoying. Like, as soon as it happened, I'm like, I kn- I knew this was gonna be a story. I was curious as to who he was mad at, but you just knew that they were gonna turn that into a story. They were gonna turn that into something. 
Yeah. I, I yeah. I mean, you just anything he gets. If he gets a phone call, he's trading Deshaun. If uh, you know, whatever. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, a couple things before we get into. Uh, we'll talk about a draft a ton. That's what we're here for. Um, but all right, big week, big week. Uh, lots of things going on. Lots of things Texans unfiltered wise going on, which is awesome. Uh, lots of new things. We brought on uh, one writer. Um, Hugh, Hugh Texans draft. He was on the draft coverage with John. Super excited to bring him on. Um, smart kid, really knows a lot. Uh, his name, his real name's Dylan. So he's going to be covering you guys, uh, giving you guys access to everything that is uh, draft related. So about um. Like, it'll be starting August and September when college football rolls around. He's going to start giving you guys prospects and things to look at prior to that are specific to the Texans scheme. So I really thought this was a very unique experience. It's not something that you see a lot of. A lot of times there's draft analysts and draft nicks, and they just go top, you know, they just go with their big board, 250 players. What I thought would be unique would bring on a writer who has a knack for understanding film that also can knows the Texans and can kind of bridge the gap. So Dylan will be running um, Texans Unfiltered here in the next week, and he's going to be uh, really ramping up here soon. He'll do some other film stuff, but really young kid, really smart, super excited uh, to have him on. We're in the process of uh, another potential uh, teammate. I'll let you guys know once that is a fl- uh, for sure thing. Um, big shout-out to Cody. You know, Cody Alder, I know he's been on the show. I know you guys have had him. Um, I, I just enough how appreciative I am for him to uh, go through and manage the website and do all the things that he does. Like Cody's become a really good friend of mine um, during this entire process, which is awesome. But, you know, him building us a site, managing it, and things like that. Cody, you deserve all the finger guns you can get. Uh, and also stealing our slogan from him, positive vibes only. That started yeah, with Cody. Yeah. Yep, He's got to get a shout out on that. So he – so he gets at least one free um, medium shirt from Baby Gap. Um, and, um, but, yeah, and then Preston, obviously. So it, it's really cool. The team's growing, which is awesome. Now we're going to be starting to give you guys content regularly. I know you guys really love the Jordan, uh, the David Johnson piece, um, which was big for me. I really appreciate that. I'm not a big writer. Uh, so it was definitely a confidence boost for me to be able to put something together that you guys enjoyed. All right. Uh, and then obviously Preston, that's where I was going. And then we talked about baby shirts and mediums and then Cody's fear guns. Um, just another one, Preston, uh, I don't think you understand how much you mean to this team. So thank you. You've been editing our podcast for three years now. That's late nights until about one or two. Just want to say thank you. One of the things that we love about what we do is the fact that we're a team and we all support each other and we all work together. We all have one goal. Um, and that's really the coolest part about bringing other people on is being able to support that vision um, as they are very like-minded and uh, things of that nature. So, boom, finger guns to Preston. All right. Now to the news news. The news news. Um, okay, so before we get into the draft, okay, let's stretch it a little bit. All right. Deshaun Gibson cut. I don't like this move. I'll be, I'll be perfectly clear. I think this is a, v- a very bad move made by the front office. And it's, I think Gibby is like this amazing safety. It's that we have nobody else on the roster that can do what he did. 
we have a bunch of Justin Reed clones, and then now everybody wants to sign another one in his brother Eric Reed, who plays the same style of football. We have we don't have a safety that can cover. Yeah, that's that's an issue, and I'm completely well. I'm not confused. It's kind of interesting if you go out there and you read the comments. The guys that are analytic guys, um, like Rivers, for example, example. Um, they are absolutely just saying that it's a terrible move. Um, the defense was better when he was on the field um, versus True. the DVOA numbers. Like he was positive DVOA. He was a uh, DVOA is just for those of you not familiar. It's just a it's a fancy way of them kind of measuring uh, value above replacement. With Gibson on the field, apparently the defense was just better than it was when he was not. Now, if you look at the guys that are coach speak, they talk about he was overrated on the tight ends last year, and he just didn't look right all year. Bad angles, um, was not as good on, on coverage as he has been in the in the past, which leads people to start to speculate a little bit more that it was more than just the Travers fracture on, on his, in his back. I mean, he was playing with broken bones in his back, so that was probably more serious than they were letting on, and the timing of it states that it looks like it was something with his physical, possibly. And, again, that's all speculation. Um, to me, it's it's kind of eye-opening because I was sure we were going to take a safety in the draft, and we didn't take a safety in the draft. And I, I don't necessarily like the move based on what he has been, but based on what he was last year, I can kind of understand it, especially if he's hurt worse than everybody's letting it on. Yeah, I think um, I think footballer five hundred three is is on to something, and and I tweeted it out earlier today. So I agree a hundred percent. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Bill O'Brien just wasn't on board with bringing uh, Tashawn Gibson into onto the roster, um, and so he's he's kind of making his presence known still, and uh, and letting people go that aren't on a part of what he wants to build. Now, a lot of people, well, you know, did he want Roby? Well, he had a choice to add Roby to, and sign him to an extension this offseason or not. So, obviously, he did want Roby. Um, so, a little bit different. I, I also think I, I was asked this question, is there a chance that we re-sign him very similar to Vernon Hargraves? Uh, no. From a financial standpoint, it makes no sense. I think it was $4.3 million in dead cap. It was either 3.4 dead cap and 4.3 saved or 4.3 and dead cap 3.4 saved either way because of that um if we sign him for two million we really only saved a million so it, it just doesn't seem like a move that i think would happen um yeah it's, what's interesting to it i'm going to dive deeper a little bit into the brian game versus bill o'brien um this was a philosophical uh, a little bit of a philosophical ar- argument um when we were coming out after the Colts game, everybody was saying the biggest weakness on the Texans' defense is they could not cover tight ends. So Gibson comes in because that's what he was supposed to do, is cover tight ends. Whereas Bill O'Brien was apparently very, very upset that we did not resign Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew could not cover tight ends. Tyron Matthew does better when he was just, you know, when he's just out there creating havoc. Essentially what he did for the Chiefs this year. That's when he gets yeah. to actually be free and just wreak havoc. That's what he does. Gibson is essentially a big corner, and it wasn't so much that Bill O'Brien was trying to do a power move, I believe. It's just it's like he didn't think that he needed that type of player, that he had a different plan, that 
footballer503 also pointed out, and that's Lonnie Johnson covering tight ends. Because prior to that and prior to Gibson and prior to Matthew, remember we used to always have – that was where our, our cornerbacks in training, like the A.J. Boyes, they would cover tight ends before they moved on to, to receivers. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I – um. I also I, I'm also wondering if there's a chance that Lonnie moves to safety full time um, with the addition of John Reed. You know, if he can earn that slot position, and we have Roby and Conley on the outside, Vernon as depth, uh, and Keon Crossin as depth, Lonnie could do it at times depending on the formation. Um, I just I don't know. Um, there's got to be a plan because every time we think that there isn't a plan, there's a plan. Yeah. Um, and I, so, I mean, I've pointed it out in, in my pre-draft article that that's why that was part of the reason I think that the uh, the Texans took a chance on Lonnie Johnson. In a perfect world, he turns to be and he gets his um, hip fluidity fixed and he gets a little bit better at that. He turns into a great cover corner, a great man corner. In a less than perfect world, and he's still stiff and he still plays the ball better when it's in front of him. He's going to be a great free safety. Like, he's just had that ability to fall back into another position. And if he falls back into being a free safety, or, I mean, and he plays with an aggressiveness that he actually fits that um, that mindset of the Texans where they want both of their safeties to do everything, like, he could actually do that. I really think he could. I mean. I agree. He was physical as all, all hell on Kelsey the first time they played him. Well, Second time. Uh, nah, he was hurt. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that, but they, if they listen to the interview, um, they, they would understand that he on the uh, on the blocked punt, uh, he 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 tweaked his uh, ankle, and he could not he could not step on it fully, and so when he was covering Kelsey, he just he couldn't get as physical as he wanted to be. Uh, but either way, um, no, I mean a, a move of Lonnie, I'd feel comfortable with. I think uh, you know, I think the team and the person and the the team that matters or the coaches on the personnel side, uh, really Bill O'Brien now, I think they realized that with Kareem, they probably realized that they lost a lot of time with Kareem on a very productive player. Lonnie's very similar to Kareem, a uh, little more physical, uh, definitely has more of a skill set in covering um, in general, but um, it wouldn't be something I would be opposed to. I, I think it would be an ideal situation and be best for Lonnie Johnson. He could play that single high safety role um, that we don't have, and he could cover tight ends and things of that nature. So, um, you, I, I mean, it's one of those things that you just kind of start to look at how the cornerback group is shaking up. It may make more sense. Not We're not sure yet. It's still a long time to go. But the way that the – the way that the season ended and the way that Lonnie was playing towards the end, that may have been a decision that they decided to go with, and they don't have the camps to change their mind anymore. So whatever they decided at the end of the year is what they're doing. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that it's forever. It could just be for a year or two. I mean, we still have to fill in our corners after this season. So Lonnie Johnson may play safety this year. The year after that, he may be moved back to corner. It just it depends, and that's the flexibility that the Texans kind of look for. Yeah, I think there's another player that potentially could move to that role, and that's somebody we'll get into later. But I think John Reed potentially could fill that role as well. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. Uh, lots, lots of different aspects of it. But like I said, there's there seems to be a plan every time we kind of all go, "What the f?" 
Um, you know, everybody freaks out, and then, you know, a week later we see there's a plan. Whether you like the plan or not, it's totally different. It's just the lack of a plan right now that we're all trying to fumble and, and understand. But, um, yeah, football five, football or 503, I agree. I wasn't a big fan of Tyron Matthew here, and I last year I didn't think he was great. I think he had some moments, but I don't think he was great. All right, um, so other big news is that our franchise left tackle got a massive deal. And um, he's the highest paid tackle in the league. Uh, from a contract breakdown, if you go to – why am I hearing myself? Um, you have an echo? But yeah, if uh, – I do. Uh, but uh, if you – we look into I know how the team is still there. Um, basically, a four four year deal. Uh, cap number is fourteen one this year. That's way better. I don't know what that was, uh, but you fixed it. Um, cap number this year fourteen. Next year nineteen. Then twenty one twenty one. So if you look at the deal like that, it's actually a pretty fair deal, given uh, what the oh you guys had the echo too. Okay, cool. Um, Given kind of the way the free agent market's going to go over the next couple of years with uh, with free agent tackles, um, I think it's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, We're going to make Preston earn his money tonight. Preston is super mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, if you look at it, I mean, it's it's fourteen million this year, nineteen million next year, and then. Uh, it's 21 after that. I think when you look at the free agent tackles, that'll potentially be resetting the market again next year and the year after that. Uh, this will be a, a very similar situation to kind of JJ. Uh, looks big, isn't really as big as other players start to uh, get those free or go get those free. You guys are distracting me with the comments. I gotta, I'm going to turn you guys off. Um, uh, but it's really not that bad of a deal, I guess, is kind of what I'm trying to say. Is I, I think it's it's a really good deal. Um, I thought the biggest news out of the deal for me was, you know, everybody was bashing uh, Bill O'Brien for not having a, a extension in place back in when he agreed with Miami. Uh, Bill O'Brien touched on it, and then Laramie Tunsil touched on it. Um, so, you know, another reason for the national media to just kind of leave Bill O'Brien alone on something is it seems like there was conversations, just didn't want to, Larry Tunsil really didn't want to. He wanted to focus on the Saints, and um, I'm all, I'm all for it. I, I have no problem with this deal whatsoever. I don't ever get really into contracts um, because they're just not set in stone. Yeah, and you you, you nailed it. Way to manage the the cap and get under it and make room for players and things of that nature, you can do all that. So no, you absolutely nailed it though in your your comment. Bill O'Brien's getting trashed because. Laramie Tunsil is going to make $4 million more per each season than any other left tackle ever, right? Well, the salary cap also jumped up the most that it ever has. So at this point, yeah, it's $4 million, but here in maybe not even before the end of this offseason, there's going to be other players that are a lot closer to that. And next offseason, there's going to be players that eclipse them. So, yeah, it's not – it's not worth getting all worked up about, especially when they made it known that their number one goal was to get that done so that they could take care of Watson. They wanted to take care of Tunsil first and then go to Watson. 
Yeah, and it's going to go up again. So yeah, it's not a it's not a bad deal. People that are sitting here trashing the deal, it's just it's a lazy take. You're basing it off last year's numbers, and as we've learned, you can't do that anymore. Look at what happened with Hop. Yeah, he was the high, remember when we resigned Hop? We resigned him to the number one wide receiver deal. Villa or not Villa Brian, but the uh, the staff at that point got trashed at that time for signing Hop for that amount. Shortly later, other receivers just leapfrogged, leapfrogged, leapfrogged him. Frog. There we oh. go. You know, <laughs> um, but it went up from his thirteen million a year to Julio Jones's eighteen million. That's five million dollars. And relatively quickly for receivers, which receivers are actually viewed as more replaceable than left tackles. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I have no problem with the deal. I think uh, I also like the fact that it's a three-year deal. You know, I I think we'll start to see smarter players will start to do that instead of taking in another $5 in guaranteed money because they know that the way that deals are structured – if he would have done the next two years, let's say he did a five-year deal, he would have had no guaranteed money on those last two deals or on those last two years. He would have had to ask for a restructure, all the things that we just went through with DeAndre Hopkins wanting a contract extension because he had nothing guaranteed on the last three years of his deal. This also puts him back in the market to maximize his value. It's a really smart and savvy move by Laramie to put himself in this position. Um, I'm all for it. Like I said, I don't get into cap numbers because I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think every we've seen it in sports, every sport, you can find a way to maneuver around the salary cap and get under it with certain restructures, cutting, things of that nature. Um, so this doesn't handy us. It doesn't put us in a bad position. We got him for, what, last year? I think he played for like $6 million. This year he's playing for $14. Um, it's just that it, it's a we're – really good spot as far as Laramie and Deshaun once the once Deshaun's done. Um and he's the best, you know, top three tackle in the league. I think he can make it our best. Um no problem with this deal whatsoever. I think that's exactly what you do. Yeah, we're in agreement. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. Not much more to talk about than I don't yeah, think. I mean <laughs> you have you have an all pro pro bowl player that protects your 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 most needed asset on the team does a really good job outside of his false starts that basically, you know, I, I mean, they are kind of what they are. I'll be honest. I, I'm, I'm on, on, I guess I'll, I'll so I'm, I'm in the process of a Deshaun Watson uh, mega thread of every single throw that he's had, he had last year to every other wide receiver, but DeAndre Hopkins. And I am only eight games through. So I'm going to, put that thread out, um, but those false starts were definitely deadly. Um, they came at the worst times that they could have possibly came, but um, no issue. Still, You'll still take it. So, uh, All right, let's get into what everybody's here for. So we had the draft on uh, Thursday night, really. We picked Thursday night. People didn't realize it, but we picked Thursday night. So we're going to go through all our picks, um, and we're going to discuss – uh, that the Texans had this last uh, last what four days ago. Um, I thought it was a really good draft overall. I think the experience was really cool. Um, I really hope that they uh, maybe start to incorporate some of these other aspects of it. I think GMs really enjoyed and coaches enjoyed being with their family. You know, it's a big night if you think about the in, in the grand scheme of things. You're adding players to your roster. 
Um, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to be at home when they're never really at home uh, with football operations doing things. Um, you know, the back patio that Bill O'Brien seems to make sure he mentions in every single interview, which is just super strange to me on why he brings that up every time, but, but sure. Uh, but I think it's cool. And I hope they start to kind of add some of those wrinkles from this past draft into that. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a great experience. I really enjoyed the draft. I mean, I loved the draft no matter what, but I thought they did a really good job. Outside of like uh, mom's dying of cancer, uh, you know, uh, the the sob stories it just sucked. Yeah, the trauma, like the trauma was, a, was a little oh, much. It was a little much. Like the guy falling, like tripping over gravel and then falling into the street and getting hit by a truck. I could have, I would have been fine without that story. Yeah, I don't think it was necessary. <laughs> this is the guy's happiest day ever, and you're going to bring up that. Like, no. He's going to be in the NFL. Let him bring it up all the time then. Not yeah. on draft night. Let him celebrate for who, who he was. I However, agree. like, the format of the draft was awesome. It and, was. And um, I hope they keep some of that, and it seemed to go so much quicker and with a lot better of a flow. So hopefully they keep some of that in the future. But, I mean, the in-person drafts, they're events, and people like them too. So and see. they're money. Money, There's money, money. more money involved outside of ad money, which is why there will be events. Um, all right, so, yeah, no, I had a great draft. I enjoyed it. It was fun doing the virtual draft party with you guys on Thursday. I know you guys were really salty and pissed off at me for not being there Friday. That's fine. Um I have a tradition, and I'm going to keep that tradition. So, um, but it looks like you guys had a great time. I hopped in when I could. Um, let's let's kind of go through the draft. So, um, with the first pick for with our first pick in the uh, in the first round, I picked number 26. Uh, the Texans selected what looks to be a really good, just based on evaluation, kind of his college tape, what he's done. Um, Lermy Tunsil out of, I, I believe, is it Ole Miss? Yeah, Ole Miss. Um, not considered a project. Kind of surprised he was there at 26, if you think about it. Um, given all the tackles that were taken in front of him, Tristan Wirth, uh, Isaiah Wilson, um, those are all developmental guys that you're not really sure about. It's not every year that you have a for sure thing at, uh, at tackle. And the Texans grabbed themselves the best tackle on the board. Uh, which is very important for Deshaun Watson and what they're doing. So I, I'm, I like the pick. I thought it was a well done, um, a much needed position, but they didn't stretch, right? They, they sat at 26. They made sure they got the player that they wanted. They were patient and look what, look what we accomplished. You know, I'm going to play along just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think it was Ole Miss. I think it was that developmental XFL team, the Miami something or others. Yeah, the, well, they were like they didn't make the XFL, but they were like the like the Europe like XFL Europe type team, right? Right, right. And he went out there and he just straight up dominated. And yeah. you know he's so good that we're gonna have to draft him this year and next year. Look, if you're gonna do anything, you should probably do it twice, especially when you're gonna strike gold. And um, look, I mean, Lance Erline, Lermy, this is the next Tyron Smith, right? I mean, that's that's. High praise, high praise. So, uh, and playing for that know. little XFL franchise, and you know we even got him a year early. We got him a year before the draft. So, and what he did with us, I mean, you could tell that 
He's still, you know, a little bit of those rookie jitters with the false starts, but once he gets that cleaned up, easily top three left tackle in the game. There was another Lermie that came out uh, in about 2016, and he had a gas mask and bong. Luckily, this Laramie left that all behind. It wasn't a part of anything that he did. He also became the highest-paid tackle in the league the day he was drafted. It's just really – it's things that you never see happen. There's a first for everything, um, but I'm totally open to it, and I, I love I love the pick. All right, so then in the second round um, – or, you know what, here, let me give you guys our, our, the draft profile of – nah, I won't. Not, we'll, we'll just let Laramie surprise you guys. Um uh, Cody, I believe that you did take that. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So in the second round, at pick number forty, uh, really, let's talk about the first the first round and and how it went. Really, I mean, it couldn't have gone any better than the way it went. Uh, the Texans were in a position at forty to be able to grab an impact player, uh, a first round value, a first round talent. Uh, at 40, and they didn't need to trade down. They didn't need to trade up. Uh, they could stand pat and take a player. I honestly, with, uh, what I think it was five tackles in the first round, four quarterbacks in the first round, six wide receivers in the first round, and I believe six cornerbacks in the first round, maybe five. Uh, this, I mean, that's the most ideal situation given the Texans' current needs for us to be in a very nice position at 40 in the second round. You know, I'm just going to say that it's so nice not to need a quarterback. Oh, so man. A, the reason a lot of these very gifted players got pushed down into the second round and left us in such a great position is quarterback or quarterbacks are always going to go in the first round. The quarterbacks this year, really not that great, but they still have to go in the first round. The best so, one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, sincerely, thank you. Like, we lucked out. And on top of that, when you look back, we got our quarterback was a, was the 12th pick overall. You know, just because of stupidity of overthinking things. And, you know, I've, I've even been guilty of that myself. I'm not going to say that I'm not. But we got a quarterback that was 12th pick overall that if he was in this draft – there shouldn't have been any debate about him being the first pick overall. He would have been number one. And then, you know, we get a guy at pick 40 who honestly should have been a first round. Honestly, he really should have been. And he dropped all the way down to 40. Bill O'Brien didn't have to go and do any crazy trades. Now, there's a lot of people that are, may not be quite enamored with, with, with Ross, um, but, you know, he's a very talented player that divert. It deserved to be a first-round pick. Thankfully, he was a second-round pick, and we got him. Yeah, no, I think when you look at the draft, like I said, there was a ton of players on the board. Could have went safety. Could have went corner with Jalen Johnson. Uh, could have went Esperanza. Could have went Zach Bond. Could have went, I mean, could have went Marlon Davidson. Could have went Neville Gallimore. Could have went anywhere. They really could have, there, there was no wrong pick on the defensive side of the board at that point. And uh, they did an extremely good job. Um, so they landed Ross Blacklock, which you guys have heard me talk about specifically a lot for the last two weeks. He was my number three defensive tackle in the draft behind Kinlon Brown. Um, I love his hands, very violent. Um, so I thought that we'd go over kind of Dane Brugler's um, kind of summary of Ross. 
lost Blacklock. Two years started at TCU, Blacklock was the nose tackle and head coach Gary Patterson slanting multiple front. Highly recruited out of high school, his college career didn't go quite as planned, missing two seasons and starting two seasons. But people didn't know, didn't need to know his jersey number to spot him on the Horn Frogs defensive line. As son of the Harlem Globetrotters legend, Blacklock checks the boxes for size, core strength, and athleticism. Firing off the ball to win early or make himself small through gaps, he displays contact contact balance and length at the point of attack. Although his shed and pass rush techniques are still a work in progress, overall Blacklock doesn't get an, uh, home enough on tape, but all the traits are there with his blend of size, quickness, and power to develop into a disruptive presence, projecting as a versatile lineman who can play anywhere from the nose to the five technique. Yeah. Um, my pr- pretty much my biggest concern with him is I'm not entirely sure where we're going to play him. And then I saw his age. So when they first threw up his stats, he was under 200 pounds. He was like two, or under 300 pounds. He was 290. Um, 6'4", 290. A little tall, a little light to be a nose tackle, especially in a, in a 3-4. So, and that was everybody's initial reaction is that he's coming in to replace DJ. We're, we're, draft, we're, we're drafting a player to replace DJ Reader. Well, I get home or get not get home because we didn't – we can't leave to go anywhere. But after the draft, I actually uh, pulled it up um, and looked a little bit more at him. If he plays, he could come in next year and play defensive end. And he can play opposite JJ. I'm not entirely sure who's going to play nose, and that's a, a discussion for another another podcast. But he can just step in and he can play and he can play defensive end. His game already matches that. He would do very good as a, a 3-4 defensive end if we're staying with a 3-4. If we go to a 4-3 I think that he the sky's the absolute limit with him. If we do more four down linemen, not necessarily a traditional four three, it could be like a four two, or there's a couple of different hybrid screen schemes out there that we could switch to that I think he's going to survive in. But as long as we're not asking him to t- go nose to nose with a center and two gap, I think that he's going to be a great great player. However, here's the thing: he's only 21. That's the biggest piece. So if he's actually going to grow into our nose, he's got time. He's young. He's got a lot of time to grow. So he could potentially grow into that role. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he is utilized on this defense. But with Timmy there, um, you know, you could have him play, you know, play nose on third down. I think there's a lot of different things that he could do. Um, but we'll see how they do it. It's all dependent on what the scheme looks like, too. So um, we'll see. But I really like the pick. I really think he has a lot of potential. I see a lot of people uh, kind of floating floating around like a Moby Okoye, um, Travis Johnson uh, type, like basically comparing Blacklock to that. Th- those guys were two – those two were – completely different than what Blacklock was in college. Um, he's, he's from Houston, um, has a father who was an athlete. I, I just think his story's a little bit different. Um, I also think he just plays the, the position a, quite a bit different, very violent guy that really has the ability to just continue to develop. And I, I'm, I'm high on this pick. I really thought it was a great pick. I thought the Texans overall really just – I thought they had a great draft. I know there's one pick that we'll have to discuss, um, but outside of that. Now, what I like about Ross most of all is he's going to be able, he's going to develop. Even if he doesn't develop, he comes in, he can play. He's already good at shooting double teams. 
He's got a very low natural center of gravity. Yep. So he may not grow into the guy that you need to push the line of scrimmage in a 3-4. However, if you need a guy to add some juice to our pass rush, he's going to be able to do that from the interior. Which is what we need. When you when you look at when you look at the 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 offenses now in the NFL and you look at these quarterbacks, they're a lot more athletic than what they used to be. You know, having that star defensive end was really a need up until about four or five years, around three, maybe three, two or three years ago. But once these athletic quarterbacks came into the league, you really needed to push the pocket and force them out and disrupt their throwing motion and and get after them that way. And we've never been able to do that. I mean, everything has always come from the outside. And there's a reason why these quarterbacks are able to slice this up because the good quarterbacks can just step up and make the throw. And if you can crash that pocket and force them to do other things, you're in a good position. So um, I'm I'm a fan of the pick. I think it's exactly what we needed. Whether it was him, Gallimore, um, either one I would have been fine with. Um, So, yeah, I like the pick. I think it's good. I think he's going to be an impact guy immediately, and I think that was a big part of why he was taken. So, um, And at the same time, I mean, when we look at what we did with DJ Reader, he was a fifth-round pick. Um, came in and developed, and now he's the highest-paid lineman or defensive tackle uh, in the league. Um, nothing tells me that this will be any different for everybody that talks about Okoye and Travis Johnson. That was a completely different coaching staff. Um, so in different, different circumstances. Okoye, while he was young, he was just – he was newer to football, where with Blacklock – He's he comes from a family or a professional. I mean, his granted his father played for the Harlem Globetrotters, but that's still professional. Like yeah. he's used to to the grind. He knows what's going to be expected out of him. I think that he's actually a very safe pick at forty with a lot of upside. And what what else can you ask for? Safe with upside. That's what you're going for, and that's what he is. Yeah, and they basically got a first round pick at forty. Because of the way that the draft fell. So it really worked out. All right, so let's get to the next guy. So um, after that, uh, you know, it's interesting. Texans had a need at corner, and they addressed it. Uh, They traded uh, or they drafted uh, Gary and Conley at Ohio State. Uh, Press corner with experience at both cornerback spots and ability to fit into a variety of coverage schemes and techniques has the length and ability to be able to close in and recover fast. Um, solid man corner with great recovery speed, fluid hips, long arms, and uh, the Texans got themselves uh, another starting cornerback opposite of Lonnie Johnson or Bradley Roby, however they wanted, and Gary and Conley. And uh, I like the pick. I like Gary and Conley. I think he's going to be a solid day one contributor to this team. You love Gary <laughs> You absolutely, you do love them. You do. I do. And I feel like we have to just drop that into every single, every single podcast. We got to talk about James and his love of Gary and Conley. So. Absolutely. It's the the next target for an interview. Um, And I hope we get it. He's another guy that was misused by the team that doesn't even exist anymore. Yep. So. They put him in a lot of zone, really didn't use his skill set to match the way he plays. He was very physical at Ohio State, um, great speed, like I said, very fluid hips. Um, but his recovery is really where he shines. While he'll look like he got beat, 
is his ability to recover and still make a play on the ball, whether it be a deflection or anything else. Um, he's just really good at it. And uh, I, I really think I love Gary Conley. I do think it's going to be interesting to see how the fifth-year option aspect works. I know we just picked up Deshaun's fifth-year option. I really hope that they consider t- picking up Gary Conley's fifth-year option because if not, then you start to wonder um, – was that move right? Because if you're gonna if you're gonna give up a, a premium pick and a third round pick and not pick up its fifth year option, which I think is like eleven million, uh, ten million maybe. It doesn't matter. We have the money for it. Yeah, it, it just it makes no sense. And the only thing look, it, it's just got to be one of those situations where they're trying to negotiate something long term with them. Maybe, That's why it maybe. hasn't been announced. That's yeah. got to be why. Because uh, when you look I, at our depth chart, he yeah, it's eleven million, but it's not end of the world. We, I understand Hargra- or Vernon Hargreaves um, letting him go and come back because we're not going to pay $11 million for him, not for VH3, but for Gary and Connolly, we definitely will, and it's worth it at that point. Oh, James, you froze. Yeah, for the cornerback group, we have Roby, Lonnie, Connolly, Reed, Hargraves, Gaines, and then... Um, uh, Watkins, Sammy Watkins' younger brother, that uh, it's, it's Justin Watkins, the one that we just signed, and then Eric Murphy, or Eric Murray, that we also just signed. Both of those are supposed to be corner safety hybrids. Um, I love the idea of signing Watkins just to get you know the other Watkins to come, but one of them can maybe play corner, and we also the guy Crossan, uh, Crossan that we got from the from the Patriots. And I think that's our entire secondary at this point. Um, as of right now, our defensive in the secondary, we would have Gary and Connolly, Lonnie Johnson, Philip Gaines, Eric Murray, Michael Thomas, Shalom Luani, Justin Reed, Eric Murray, Jalen Watkins, Jonathan Owens, Bradley Roby, Keon Crossan. Anthony Chesley, and Cornell Armstrong. Um, Armstrong was that other guy we got from from the Dolphins, I believe. Then, you, of course, you got Vernon Hargraves and John Reed. Michael Thomas has traditionally only been a special teams player, but who knows. Jonathan, typically, if um, they had mini camps, I would say that they would, um, depending on what's going on. With Lonnie, if he looks like he can play outside corner effectively. However, this year, they're not going to have any interaction with them. They're going based off the workout videos. So Bill O'Brien right now probably knows about as much about Lonnie physically. Well, he knows more because I'm sure he gets the full workout on tape. But we get to watch those workouts on tape too. And you also don't know how those that muscle memory that Lonnie Johnson's been working on is going to – which muscle memory is going to take over, the one that he's been training six months for or the one that he's been doing forever. So when he gets back out there, is he going to revert back to um, to bad habits? All right, so Gary and Conley. Yeah, I think as far as the fifth-year option, I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I would assume that they're going to pick it up. I don't know if they're working on a long-term deal just because he only had eight games with the team last year. Um, so I don't know if if – they're going to wait and see what else he can do. Um, you know, it's it's a tough spot for a player to come in and um, really make an impact and understand the scheme and 
kind of your roles and responsibility midseason. Uh, I expect Conley to be even better than what he was last year. So if anybody likes what he did last year, which there's a lot to like, um, I think that uh, I think he's just going to be better this year. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's really about it for me. I can't pull up my my uh, I can't pull up my uh, agenda. So All right. let me grab my laptop while you talk about Conley. No, um, pretty much we're in agreement with Conley. Uh, they better keep him. Uh, I can see a world where they don't because we also just lived in a world where Hopkins got traded and Gibson got got released. So we can definitely all see a world where they don't keep him. They mess up this fifth fifth year option, but I my gut feeling on it is there's no way they do that because he is currently the best corner on the team. Now for our next pick, that was uh, Jonathan Greenard. How do you, is that how you spell it? Greenard? Is it yeah. Greenard? Greenard. Greenard. All right, he is age 22. When we first picked him up, I was actually I was actually incredibly nervous about this pick because he was actually a grad transfer from I believe Louisville to Florida. So usually guys that are graduate transfers and they're position players, that's usually a bad sign. Typically, it's guys that are not drafted this early, that they're drafted much, much later. However, I actually did a little bit more research on him. He's only 22, so I was my first fear was he was like 23, 24. But he's only 22, so he's still young, and he was an absolute beast for the Gators. There's a lot of analysts out there that have – actually said that this was the Texans' best pick of the entire draft. He's not my favorite pick, but, I mean, he's a solid pick. Again, another solid pick. Um, Bill O'Brien did not screw up the first two picks this year. Um, He is most likely going to be a true Sam linebacker. Uh, That's strong side, regardless of it's a 3-4 or 4-3, which means he's kind of the -the off-the-ball linebacker that gets to do everything. This is what Whitney Merciless would routinely play when Clowney was here and Merciless would disappear when he had to play Sam. Uh, Grenard actually is a more traditional Sam. He can actually do it. He's not a fan. He's not going to be the top uh, pass rusher. He's not going to be the top coverage linebacker. He's not going to be the top tackler, but he's probably going to be the second one on each one of those, and that's exactly what you want out of your Sam. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I like I like Grenard uh, or Greenyard, Grenard, either way. Um, I think he I think he brings a, a really good a lot of it, it, like when I look at this out, the outside linebackers um, specifically with the, you know with Whitney Merciless, Jacob Martin, and Duke Etcher four Brennan Scarlett. The weakest link on this defense is Brennan Scarlett, unfortunately. Uh, okay against the run, not much of a pass rusher, not very good at setting the edge. I wouldn't be surprised if Grenard comes in day one and takes Scarlett's job. Um, he's good at all those things. Uh, and I, I like the pick. I think when you look at the pick, when you look at the value of the picks that we had, um, if you just took an average, there was a tweet, and I wish I would have saved it, but if you look at the average picks, they did it for all 32 teams, and you took where all the draft analysts had them, they averaged out like their value spot, like pick like pick wise. And Grenard, uh, I believe it was 72. It was in the 70s, uh, is where he was at, and we got him at 90. 
And this actually happened with every single player, um, even uh, Charlie Heck, who I know is going to surprise everybody. But um, a ton of value in Heck. So, yeah, I like Renard. I think he's going to be a guy that comes in and, uh, and and makes an impact. I think he has a lot of abilities. got to get better as a pass rusher. He's a very patient guy. He, he likes to wait to see what what his opponent is going to do, what the what his matchup is going to do before he decides to punch or push. Um, but uh, he's uh, it's a very good pick. It's a very safe pick, but it also is a safe pick that addresses. Um, I just read a comment. Um, I can't ever tell if Tony A is real or, or if he's like being honest or not. Um, well, I can tell you this much. Uh, the difference between Grenard and Sam Montgomery is Sam Montgomery got his name put up on the wall of the training staff at LSU that said, do not draft this guy. He skips workouts. Grenard never had that happen. So he's he's going to be better than Sam, Mon- Sam Montgomery, if nothing else. Yeah, and he's a worker, which is one thing that uh, – so if you actually look at Bill O'Brien and what he's been talking about since the draft, a lot of this came from relationships with coaches that he's – known for years and uh, he, he put a lot of stock into how like how hard do they work what is their willingness to learn because he's looking at this year as no OTAs no repeat training camps or mini camps potentially a delay in training camps a virtual off season and he wants guys that are going to come in they're going to be in shape and they're going to be ready to go once the season starts it's really not a bad approach when you look at what he's thinking um, especially given the circumstances of the year, right? With COVID-19, there's a lot of unknown um, aspects of the season. And so if you can get guys that are going to work and be in shape when, when training camp does happen, um, I, think it's a, I think it's a really strong, um, really smart move by Bill O'Brien to really go after that. And I, I don't think people are talking about that aspect of it enough. I know Bill O'Brien has done some things that have questioned, awful things, done, made terrible decisions for this team. Um, but if you take away the DeAndre Hopkins trade, all of you were asking for him to be the GM in the, in the middle of the season last year. And all of you were asking for him to be the GM when we traded for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. So maybe let that one trade go and look at what else he's done. And he, he's really he's really done some good, made some good moves for this team and put us in a better position than what we thought we would actually be in. Yeah, I don't know. Tony A, like, is, is Tony A really, like, really comparing us? Um, I'm not going to bash Bob. I don't know if he's being serious or not. Um, that bothers me. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a safe pick. Value was there. Player was there. Position of need. Best player available on their board. Jonathan Grenard. Yeah. Nope. Solid pick. If you go um – over to the Battle Red blog. I believe it's Texans Thoughts that actually wrote the article, but there's a great, great article on Grenard, and he'll make you incredibly excited about him. I was lukewarm on him until I read that article, and now I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm, much, cool, I'm much more appreciative of the pick now. Um, this was actually going to be the pick that I trashed in, the, in our original outline, and then I got swayed by somebody smarter than me, which happens. Yeah. No, it does. All right, so let's go to our, our second. We had a, we had another third round pick, um, so it'll be our third third round pick this year. Um, Texans decided to kind of bolster up the 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 backfield. Uh, drafted running back out of University of Miami, Duke Johnson. 
a uh, guy who is effective with the ball in his hands, great route runner considering he's a running back, um, very effective runner, and uh, I think he's going to make an impact on day one. So Duke Johnson, University Only good of things happen when Duke Johnson touches the ball. Only good things happen. So true. So true. Um, all right. So now let's get to the pick that I think everybody was really upset about, and I totally get it. I, I When I first saw the pick and when I've seen the tape that I've seen, um, that was very upsetting. But Charlie Heck uh, out of North Carolina, um, Mac Brown coached, and, you know, swing tackle, huge guy, 6'8". He's not playing guard. Bill O'Brien already shot that down. I think he's going to be a swing tackle. Um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I know a lot of people when they've done film analysis on Charlie Heck, they've looked specifically at the 2019 college season. Uh, he did have a broken wrist uh, that he was dealing with and came back came back from, and it looked like he didn't trust his wrist. on his, He didn't punch very often. He didn't look very aggressive. So I'm wondering if that played a part in kind of what he was doing. But, um, you know, the pick, when you look at who, who was on the board, uh, Amik Robertson would have been a much better pick for me. I was a big fan of Amik. I think he could have came in and challenged day one for the slot corner position. The only reason he was there, if he had three more inches, he probably would not have been available in the fourth round. But because he's 5'8", there was, a, you know, nobody's going to take a 5'8 corner in the first or second round. Um, it's just you can't. So history tells you that that guy's not going to be very – he's not going to last. Um, so I, I think – you know, I, I, I don't like the pick because I think there were other positions of need. Could have went safety. Um, but at the end of the day, we all trashed them for taking Titus Howard. And that looked like that might have been the right decision. So until I see what Heck does, I'm not going to bash the pick. But it's definitely a head-scratcher at this point. Yeah, I mean, the only good thing I can say about it right now is no more Chris Clark. But we don't as, – as we all say that, and it's a great joke, we honestly don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, and it's probably also not true. He's like, he's, like, he's like a cockroach. He'll be back. And, you know, Chris Clark has shown times that he's actually been solid. With Charlie Heck, what I'd say about him, the reason he was drafted is because he is 6'8", 3'11". That's right. So he is 6'8", and he is only 3'11". So he is a skinny 6'8". Yep. So he'll put on more weight. He'll get bigger. Um Dan Skipper, they're going to probably try and put on the practice squad because it's the same sort of thing. You don't find these sorts of guys that are this big and this athletic. Uh, Charlie Heck is slow-footed, but, I mean, that's just compared to other, like, top top offensive tackle prospects. For any of us, he would be the best basketball player or whatnot out there. Like, he's a phenomenal athlete, and they think that he can improve. And it's the same sort of thing. They went with guys that they believe have a high capability of improving this offseason without a lot of coaching. His dad's a former 15th overall pick, and he is currently the O-line coach for the Chiefs. So maybe, maybe he's actually that's maybe that might be the main reason is we just wanted that little that ear on what are the Chiefs doing? Hey, what's Andy over there doing? You know. So now we got it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to say. The tape from last year doesn't look very good for Heck. Um, I, I haven't looked at his 18 tape, so I can't be like, oh, yeah, it was the injury. Um, but based on the position of, you know, the where we were at in other positions that needed to be addressed, um, especially with Gibson being cut and not taking a safety. Um, oh, 
well, I guess we'll get to it at the end. Um, I, I didn't like the pick, but at the end of the day, like if it's a pick to protect Deshaun, I don't really know how you can hate it. Um, Dane Brugler had him as his number 20 tackle. He had a fourth round grade on him. Um, so, you know, the guys that do this liked him enough to be in the fourth round. So, you know, with him and Rod Johnson, they'll probably battle it out and we'll just kind of see. I mean, they're both probably going to make the team, but, um, yeah. All right. All right, next, next pick. Yep. Uh, so this, this, this ended up being my favorite pick probably yesterday. Um, but you guys all know how I love corners. So John Reed. It is John Reed. Dude, I, that's my favorite I, pick. I We've really got, like him. <laughs> this it's not in either one of our in our notes that we share with each other, but John Reed, the more that I watch him, the more that I read up on him, I am over the moon for him. This is the guy this guy is the steal. I know I was bummed out about not getting America Robertson. Um I, I really was. But I think we lucked into somebody better. I, you know, a lot of people are calling this a panic pick because Amik Robertson wasn't there. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Um, for all we know, they could have been the reason why we didn't trade up to get Amik is because they had him evenly ranked on their board. I think a lot of people don't realize how like draft boards look specifically to to GMs. They're not like mock drafts. Right. They're not. They're not about uh, you know third, fourth, sixth, seventh, eighth. You know, they're not about round grades. They're they have an overall grade per player, and when they rank their board, they will have those players ranked in that specific, like in that manner. So you could have two corners that could end up being the exact same grade, and so they don't overvalue either or. They see that hey. Amik Robertson has a 6.7 grade. John Reed also has a 6.7 grade. We've talked to him. We know him. We're familiar with who he is. We're friends with James Franklin. And I think that's really what went into this decision. Um, so, you know, it's not about comparing mock drafts and looking at who was on the big board. It's about who was specifically on their big board and why and how. So when you look at John Reed, you look at Amik Robertson and you compare the two, they're very similar. One is a lot more feistier. Um, a lot more aggressive in Amik Robertson, which, look, I, I'm a big fan of that aspect of, of the of the position itself. Um, oh, don't but, get us wrong. If Amik Robertson had been drafted, we, we would probably be saying that – both of us would probably be saying that he was our favorite player drafted. He's, yeah, hands down. Dude, he's, he's one of those favorite. guys um, that when you watch him, just that overall hustle and so the hustle, the effort that he puts into every single play – um, the only bad play that I can ever actually think about him was Brian Edwards just straight up dunking on him when South Carolina played LA Tech. But that brings us back to John Reed is John Reed plays similar to him, but he's more disciplined. And what I actually like about him is Amik Robertson didn't have any chance of ever playing outside. No, John Reed does. John Reed definitely can. This is a guy who was considered a top five coverage corner in college football until he blew out his ACL. Uh, last year he did right in 2017. Yep, he yep. was the guy to watch out for. Last year he played tentatively, probably because he just came back from ACL surgery. If he was not 5'10", if he was 6'3", he would have been a first round pick. Nothing else changes. His weight could have even stayed the same. But if he was just a little bit lengthier, he's a first round pick. And 
Yeah, he's definitely – go watch his tape. He can. He, I know everybody's like, oh, he's going to step in and he's going to play slot right away, and he quite possibly could. But I wouldn't rule him out being able to play outside in the future. He reminds me a lot of Brent Grimes. Um, yeah, that's a very good comparison. Who was another undersized outside corner that never got any respect because he was undersized. This is who I can kind of see John Reed turning into. And then on top of that, he's smart. I mean, dude worked for Blizzard. I know people that would give up. I know, and, yeah. and Intel. Yeah, people would give up their firstborn to go work for either one of those companies. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think the, I think the smart aspect of, of his play is, is a big part of, of who he is, right? Um, you know, when you, when you watch his interviews, he talks about not particularly um, – you know, pull, he pulls certain aspects of other corners games and applies it. He doesn't want to be one corner. He just wants to see what this one corner does really well, pull from that and put him in it. Um, I really like the pick. I think he's very smart. Um, and you're right. He could play inside and out. He'll probably play a lot inside. I think the, I think the whole point of this is to try to get Roby back outside and give us depth at corner. Um, if he can take over the slots position and you have Gary and Roby and Lonnie coming in in sub packages, um, you're in a much better position at cornerback depth uh, than you were before the draft. I like John Reed. I think he's smart. Um, and he also brings a ton of value. Um, I mean, he did. I think he returned punts in college. Um, he, he's not the fastest guy, but he's, he's quick. Um, he, was, uh, he, ran a, he ran like a 4-4-5, yeah. but he had the fastest shuffle time in the entire combine. Correct. His hips and his, his fluidity in his hips, amazing. I mean, true. Like when you watch Lonnie work with, um, when you watch Lonnie work with the Footwork King, and now you're seeing his hips open up and how fluid his hips are coming. John's hips are already like that. Um, so it's going to be very intriguing to see. Um, I like the pick. I really do. I, I thought it was a great pick, especially where we were. Um, I think there was like a next gen stats thing where. He is like this considered one of the steals of the draft. Um, so yeah, no, I like to pick. You know, in the in the fourth round, it's going to be really hard to to make an impact, but you just hope for the best. And I, I think he has an opportunity to potentially do that. Um, all right. So last pick of the draft. This one was kind of interesting. And until I watched Texans' thoughts breakdown of this guy, I didn't really know what to think. He's a speed guy. Um, but he looks like he can be a little bit of of, of everything. So um, we took wide receiver Isaiah Coulter. Um, first time a Rhode Island player has been drafted in 34 years. Um, this guy is extremely quick. Um, very, he's 6'2", so he's already the tallest wide receiver on the team. Um, I'm, I, I like this. And if anybody is on Twitter, go follow Texans Thoughts and go watch his breakdown. He was this, – this guy can play. And it's going to be very interesting. He's very similar to Kenny Stills, a little bit. He's not as quick as Kenny was coming out of college. He's not as polished as Kenny is, but he can get there. I really like the guy. I think he's going to be really good. Um, He's not another little star chain. Um, And here's the thing. All five of these guys are going to make the roster. I'm already seeing – we're two days after it. I'm already seeing – Charlie Heck's going to get cut. John Reed likely won't make the team. There's a reason why we only drafted five. There's a reason why we traded up and got our five and and signed some, you know, really good undrafted free agents, which I don't think we'll be able to get into today. But um, 
all of them are going to make a team. I thought I, I look at this draft, and minus Char- Charles Heck, Charlie Heck, I thought this draft was really, really well well executed by Bill O'Brien, and I didn't expect to say that. Um, I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, um, I'm in agreement. Isaiah Coulter, he's he's the guy that if he played for a Division One school, would have gone sooner. Uh, four four. Four four three speed, so another speedster. He's six three six two, right on the borderline between six two six three. So instantly our tallest receiver. He's probably a quicker Vincent Smith. Um, Fair. Very very similar. Um, and Vincent Smith, I mean, he didn't stick around with us, but he's still on the Jets. So this is the guy that. Yeah, he's gonna end up. On the team, he's going to end up being our, our big body, and they rave about his hands. He he's plays similar to a younger how Hop was when he first came in the league. Throw him the ball, he catches the ball, he goes down. There's no not going to be any yak. Uh, no yards after the catch. But, you know, he's got a chance to kind of grow in. He's only 21 years old, so he's a kid. Like, he's a baby by NFL standards. And can't teach speed, can't teach height. They've got to just try and put 15, 20 pounds on him over the next two years, and then he could potentially be a very good receiver. And for a yeah. fifth-round pick, what else What else could you ask for? Granted, there's always the chance with these guys that they don't develop, but I think one of the keys with this, with this draft is Bill O'Brien was looking for guys that would develop on their own and didn't need coaching to do so. Correct. That was the biggest piece. Um, and, and I also think that, uh, God, where was I go, um, with Coltier, um, in another draft that wasn't so deep at wide receiver, he's probably a third round wide receiver. So you have to look at this draft and how deep it was at wide receiver. I mean, there were guys taken in the sixth and seventh round that potentially start. Um, there was a ton of talent at wide receiver this draft. So I I really like the pick. I I like the player. I think he's, I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, it's all going to be about development, right? You know, you can't judge a draft for another three years. I mean, it's really how it works. It takes three years to fully judge a draft and, and the players that are taken. Um, but I'm shocked that I feel really good saying that I thought Bill O'Brien did a really good job on this draft. Um, I, I know we can't give him his flowers. I know we hate him. Um, and I agree there's been some question questionable decisions, but um, he stayed cool. He stayed calm outside of the trade with the Detroit Lions, but um, you know he did everything that I did not expect him to do. I thought he was going to fly off the handle. I thought he was going to trade back into the second round and grab another guy and then us kind of be done for the day uh, type of thing, but he, that's not what he did. He looked at the value. He stuck to his board and did exactly what you want your general manager to do. Went back, added, up, added some picks to next year, which – uh, for some reason, nobody wants to talk about, which is fine. Um, so, I, I, you know, we we won't know, but so far on paper, I like what we did. Yeah, he imp- he took all three of those seventh rounders. We didn't end up taking a seventh rounder, and he flipped them for, for value. He got higher picks out of them, which was kind of the point of, you know, getting all those seventh rounders. Like, honestly, you don't want seventh rounders. Not in a year like this year. Uh, you don't want a lot of rookie free agents. Not in a year like this year. There's never going to be a year like this ever again. So we hope. So I think that his plan of attack was actually made as much sense as 
as anything. Um, you get a smaller rookie class, one that you've had relationships with, and they're going to probably take in a smaller um, undrafted free agent class, and the rest of the guys are going to be that are brought in will be vets that will be there for filler for whatever preseason we get because we're not going to have camp bodies for OTAs and things like that because they just don't exist. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we, we should get a third-round comp for a DJ Reader. Uh, we won't – I don't think we'll get a third-round comp for Hyde. It's all dependent on the contract and what he signs. So well, one of them canceled yeah. out by the Cobb contract. But I don't, think, that. I don't think the Reader – pick is no we would have gotten two based on who no it's just reader so right now the cop contract should cancel out a comp pick isn't it by value of contract right yeah i mean dj blew the cop contract off the map i'm just doing this based off of Recent not off recent knowledge, just off the top of my head. Like I, I haven't researched it. I haven't double checked with anybody. But just off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure that we're not going to get a comp pick next year, um, entirely because of the cop contract. Okay. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Maybe we'll fail uh, Cobb on a drug test of some sort, or get go. DUI uh, in week. 13, so that way we can still get the reader comp. All right, I, 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 we'll, we'll do some research on that. Outside of that, like I said, I thought the draft was good. I thought it was fun. It was definitely in, in the escape we all needed from the, the world that we're in currently. Um, huge event, really fun to watch. Um, Shame we can't do it again next week. I know. I wish we could. I wish we could. Um, outside of that, I guess, real quick before we go, um, favorite – Favorite draft by a team um, this year? The Ravens kind of sort of killed it. I was going to say, yeah, it's the Ravens, hands down. They do it every year, too. It's, it's kind of sickening. Yeah. It's just amazing how the draft board worked out for them and then the players they get on top of that. Like Queen and I, just, I, I hate it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Who thought that there was a chance Bill O'Brien would take a running back at 40? Oh, I definitely did. Everybody put an F in the comments if you thought there was a chance that Bill O'Brien could potentially take a running back at 40, given everybody that was there. I, I was so scared. I, I mean, I was so scared. I thought, God, there's a good chance that this happens. Um, it would have been a quality running back, too, based on who was there. But... Man, I'm so glad he did it. Oh, me too. Yeah. No, the draft was fun. It was great. I think uh, I think I, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite things. You know, now we're kind of at the dead period. I think we have the schedule released potentially next week, I think May 4th. Um, after that, it's virtual off-season workouts. Um, you know, if this curve is really flattened and we get back to some normalcy, you know, maybe training camp in a month or two. But uh, outside of that, it's it's going to be very quiet out of energy for the next next couple of weeks. So, you know. Everybody go light your J.J. Watt candle and hope that Trader Bob does something again because we could. We need something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Well, and if not, just I just downloaded Marvel vs. Capcom for the first time in like ten oh, years. Nice. Which one? Um, uh, it's the newest one. I guess they're, they they've been making new ones, and I didn't know oh, that. Really? So they made one in 2018. So I downloaded that. So I'm super excited to go play that. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but you know, three days of fun. It was great. We'll be here next week either way. We'll find something to talk about because that's what we do. If you notice, that's oh, why we still we're... have the undrafted, and then we also have to. The consistent grade or the consensus grading on our draft. I'm sure we'll we'll deep dive into that, and you know eventually we'll get around to Cullen. We got Maybe. we got a long off season, Preston. We'll get around to him. We're gonna have the Cullen cast. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, with that being said, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube, uh, Twitch. Uh, you can follow us on Periscope at Facebook. Uh, Albert will take care of the rest. With that being said, stay safe out there. Uh, make some good decisions. I am Young Ari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.